please uh, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're in the last uh, paragraph in this chapter, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. First Thessalonians 4, beginning with verse 13. According to grief.com, here are the 10 worst things to say to someone in grief. Number one, at least she lived a long life. Many people die young. Two, he's in a better place. We've heard that one, of course. Number three, she brought this on herself. Oh, please don't say that. Uh, number four, there's a reason for everything. Not helpful. Uh, number five, aren't you over him yet? He's been dead for a while now. Oh, my. Or number six, you can still have another child. Not helpful. Uh, number seven, she was such a good person, God wanted her to be with him. Well, no. Uh, number eight, I know how you feel. No, you don't. Number nine, she did what she came here to do, and it was her time to go. Okay. And number 10, be strong. There you go. Ten things you should not say to someone in grief. We wince at some of these because we know how insensitive they are, uh, because we've heard them, and because maybe we've said some of them too. Uh, it's hard to know. It's just hard to know what to say to someone who's grieving. Job's friends seem to know and then forget that sometimes just the best thing is just to sit with someone in silence. But Paul has some words for us today that need to be said because they give us hope. 1 Thessalonians four thirteen to 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This passage, of course, is a favorite of end times enthusiasts, but Paul is not talking to those who are really into studying eschatology. Uh, eschatology is important. That, that is to be very clear from this passage, but Paul is speaking to those who grieve and, and those who minister to them, so that is all of us. Here's the theme for the day. We have hope in spite of grief, because of Jesus' victory over death and his promise of life for all who believe. Is that good news today, folks? 
We have hope in spite of grief because of Jesus' victory over death and his promise of life for all who believe. We're going to break this down into four parts. The first focusing on verse 13. Once again, but we do not, his missionary team, Paul, Silas, Timothy, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, Thessalonian believers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So this is part one, hope in spite of grief. Christians grieve, but not like everybody else. We grieve with hope. So from the passage as a whole, we understand when Paul says those who are asleep, he's referring to some of these Thessalonian believers who had died. Apparently it was true back then, just like it is now. Uh, We mortals don't like to talk about death. We'd rather refer to it in a roundabout way. We do so gently, like passed away, you know, speaking of the departed, or maybe in silly ways, like kick the bucket. I I don't even know what that means. How did we get that? But we, asleep, to be asleep is a natural euphemism. You know, they, they, they're lying there with their eyes closed. They just sleep, look like they're sleeping peacefully. And some Christians have tried to take this word literally as soul sleep, um, as if the person, the person itself goes into some kind of hibernation after the body expires. That's incorrect, as we'll see later. But, but why the euphemism? Why don't we like to talk about death? I mean, you know, it's normal. 100% death rate. We know it's coming, but we don't know how it will be for us. Sometimes sudden, shocking, maybe slowly, painfully. And with de- when death takes someone you love, it is, it really, really hurts. You, you know this. So what gives us the idea that we can't grieve or that we shouldn't grieve? Uh, Is it because we think, well, grieving seems weak and we should be strong, or grieving is being sad and and there's all this pressure to be happy all the time? And for the Christian, I mean, that's true for the culture as a whole, but for the Christian, on top of that, sometimes we take good theology and twist it into, well, some bad conclusions. Well, if God is good, then I shouldn't feel bad. If, If this is God's will, then I should just accept it stoically. Well, if you ever thought you needed permission to grieve, this verse is it. Christians grieve because we are human, because God made us for life and for love, and our lives are deeply entwined in fellowship of family and faith, generations Death is an enemy, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Death is the horrifying consequence of a human attempt to live apart from God, ignoring God, disregarding his word, and and until creation itself is restored at Jesus' return. Even Christians, even those who have, have, have said, we're coming back to you, God. We want to do what you want us to do. We want to belong to you, to obey you, to love you, to serve you. Even Christians will have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. So when death takes someone that you love, it's okay to be sad. In fact, there's something right and good and healthy about grieving. It's acknowledging the reality of 
your loss. Something truly good has been taken away. Logan told me that he was close to his Aunt Debbie who passed away because she and her husband were never able to have children. And so uh, his aunt and uncle took care of, of him and his siblings, Logan and his, his sisters, quite a bit during the time that he was growing up. And so when you th- think about all the, the love and care, if that, if that love and care means something, if that relationship was special, if it is still precious to you, then we grieve. We grieve. And we honor the dead in our mourning. I think that means we shouldn't make too much of a distinction because of that between a a funeral service and a celebration of life. Now, if you want to call the thing that we do when you go uh, a celebration of life, that's, that's fine. I, I, I'm not arguing with that point. But I, I, if, if, especially if you're like, I want to affirm the, the, the good in the person that we've lost, celebrate it. Yes, but please don't say, if I can ask this, please don't say that I don't want to do a funeral service because I don't want it to be sad. Well, grief is not wrong. And hopefully, I, I mean, I, if I'm part of that funeral service and this is a believer, we're going to make it grieving with hope. Grieving with hope in Christ. So grief is never, we, we grieve, but grief is never meant to be all that we feel. This is so important. Christians grieve with hope, or we should. I mean, Paul says, this verse says, it's possible that Christians can be uninformed, ignorant, or unclear that we have a reason to hope. Now, most of us have, have no excuse. It's been right here in our Bibles for our whole lives. Uh, the Thessalonians, on the other hand, as we've said before, they only had a few weeks of, of teaching, discipleship from the Apostle Paul before he had to leave town because of persecution, and they had yet to receive this letter. Maybe like the Thessalonians, you're still new to the faith. Maybe you're not even sure you're a believer. The question here is, do you want a hope that can completely change how you grieve, how you experience grief? Now, again, if you're not a believer, I have to be really upfront with you. Uh, Being a Christian does not mean that you will never know loss, pain, grief. We have some folks in this room right now who have experienced incredible loss, deep grief. And I hope that this topic is not too painful for, for you this morning. But this is what we need to know. This is what we need to know right here. So we come to grief, we go through grief in a profoundly different way. You ready to hear this? Ready to, to just soak in this for a little bit? Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. This is part two. Victory over death. Jesus rose again and will return, so death cannot hold us when we are his. Maybe an amen or something. Death cannot hold us when we are his. Yeah. 
hey, that, that's, I think it sounds good to me. Um, there are a lot of things that you shouldn't say to those who are grieving. Here's the first thing that Paul says that you need to hear. You have to start with the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. There's a lot more things that, that Christians believe. The Bible is a big book. But when you need firm ground to stand on, when you're going through the earthquake of grief and loss, this is where you start. This is the basis for our hope of life after death, of everlasting life, of resurrection life, of life that death cannot take from you ever again. Jesus died and rose again. The objective historical facts. Do you, do you believe this? Yeah. Now, if your answer is yes, then you have every reason to believe that the dead in Christ, to use the phrase from verse 16, the dead in Christ will rise again. Now, we should be asking, we should be thinking, what does it mean to, to be those who are dead in Christ? I mean, it, it, briefly, it's just, well, that's just, that, Paul is using this as a synonym for a believer, a brother or sister in Christ. But, but think about that phrase specifically, those who are dead in Christ, to be so united with Christ by faith, trusting him for your salvation, that his sacrificial death means your sins are forgiven, that his victorious resurrection means your everlasting life is secure. You are one with Christ. You belong to Jesus. And Paul says, if God the Father raised Jesus Christ, his son, then you can be sure he will raise all his children from death to life. Count on it. How will the Father do it? This verse says, through Jesus. When will he do it? Next verse, at the coming of the Lord. Who will he do it for? We've already said, those who are in Christ, the dead in Christ. Do you see how important Jesus is for us? How good he is for us? How he gives us hope. I was glad to get back into Pinecrest this week. First time I've been back to visit our folks uh, in over a year. I mean, you guys know the timeline. So back seeing, in, uh, seeing Paul and Eunice Anderson and Jan Lawrence and Marion Garrett and uh, visiting for the first time Pat Hanga, uh, uh, Julie Johnston's mom, and Donna Dietrich and some of these folks that haven't seen in a long, long time. Enjoy visiting with folks who are on the home stretch of life. Of course, it gets harder when you're getting close, really close to the finish line. But hope in Christ makes all the difference. Do you understand? Think about what, what do I have to say coming to someone in a situation where they've probably already lost their spouse. They've lost many of their friends. In a sense, they've lost their home. They've lost most of their possessions. They've lost their mobility, lost their freedom, lost their, some of their hearing, their eyesight, their memory. Loss, loss, loss. It could be, easily be grief, grief, grief. And if, 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 if that's all that life is, and all life is doing to you is taking things away, it's just a little more death, 
all the time, if that's all life is, there's no hope. I have nothing to say that can give hope. It's just one steady decline. But if there is decline and loss, but that is not the end, if that is not the, if that is not the end, but just the beginning of a glory that we can barely imagine, then I can sit with those folks and I can grieve all their losses with hope of eternal gain in Jesus. We got something to say. We have something to say. For those who are in Christ by faith, we have words of hope. Folks, that little plot that you may have in Oakwood Cemetery, if you're a believer, that's not going to be your final resting place because there's going to be a great getting up morning. So someday we're going to wake up. Did you know the, the English word for cemetery, if you take it all the way back, it, it's derived from the Greek word here, that's in here, for sleep. To, to the Christian view, a cemetery is just a sleeping place. Where it's just a, and someday we're going to wake up. We, we saw this uh, just a couple of months ago at the, at the end of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel 12 uh, says, I got to find my notes here. I lost myself. Here we go. Found it. Daniel 12. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Resurrection is God's promise, fulfilled through Jesus Christ for all who believe, who trust in him. Jesus rose again and will return, so death cannot hold, he cannot hold us when we are his. Let's keep reading. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. This is part three. Promise of life. Take Jesus at his word. No believer will miss out on his glorious kingdom. So here we get to the nitty-gritty of what these Thessalonians were, were so concerned about. If Jesus coming from heaven back to earth to reign in glory with all those who are his, enjoying his presence forever, what happens to those who, uh, these believers who have died before Jesus comes back, before all the good stuff? Answer, well, the believers who are alive when Christ comes back will not have any advantage over those who have died because when the Lord descends, the dead will rise. The dead in Christ will rise. 
Now, that's probably not a question or concern you've ever had before. Well, what about those who die before Jesus comes back? Because you had this passage. Again, they, these folks didn't, didn't have that. They didn't know all of this. And so, you know, praise God, we've got this letter. But make sure, let's make sure we're clear on, on this so that our hope is sure. So verse 15, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. And in just a moment, I'm going to read some words from Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, but don't miss what Paul is saying by this. He's saying, trust Jesus on this. T- take Jesus at his word about what I'm about to ready to tell you. Now, now I'm going to jump to Jesus' words, though, from Matthew 24, verses 29 to 31. Jesus says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, if you want to speculate about what will happen in that moment, like what if there are Christian airline pilots mid-flight. When all the believers are gathered to Christ, what's going to happen? Well, that'll make a really good action movie. That's fine. But it's not really pertinent to Paul's point here. That's fine. You can think about that. Speculate if you'd like. But But let's not be distracted from what Paul is saying and what he's getting at. Okay, one day, Jesus will come in all of his power and glory with a cry of command, with a voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. I mean, that's, he's making a statement. Uh, And these are, notice, these are all um, military kinds of uh, terms and imagery. Even the, even the the archangel, yes, we, we refer, the Bible refers to God as the Lord of hosts, host being a uh, kind of a battalion army kind of term. When, When you think of the Lord coming with all the heavenly host, I mean, we're talking about, he's got battalions and regiments coming with him. He is coming in force. The cry of command, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God. They all speak of his authority, Jesus' authority as king. And don't forget, that's what Christ means, right? We we know that. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the promised king and savior. And when he calls, we come. And so we have this on his authority, the authority of Jesus' promise recorded long ago in Scripture, the authority of his command in that moment yet to come, the dead in Christ will rise. Now, you think of the trumpet call of God. I mean, there's so many, so many ways the trumpets were used in Scripture. I'm thinking of the Old Testament that it's hard to even know what is being emphasized here because there, it's so rich with what's going on. I mean, you think of uh, Mount Sinai, the, the sound of lightning and thunder on the top of Mount Sinai, and the sound of, the tr- sound of a trumpet was just blaring, just oh, deafening. But then just in, a, in more practical ways, the, uh, the trumpets in the life of Old Testament Israel, it was a, they would be used to call people to assemble, be used to signal people to, to break camp and move on. Where were they going? To the promised land. It was a call to battle, even used as a weapon in bringing down the walls of Jericho. Sounded at great feasts, celebrating God's great redemptive acts in history. Israelites, if you were an Israelite, you heard those trumpets over and over, again and again. And whether they knew it or not, 
every time they heard it, was just in anticipation of the last trumpet. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who are alive will be caught up together, snatched up. I mean, this is, this is like uh, somebody on horseback coming alongside and, and pulling you up and throwing you on the saddle behind you. I mean, it's that kind of grabbing you. I mean, it, this, is, this is, goes to the, uh, if you go to the, to the Latin, the way it was translated later, it's where we get the word rapture, which is uh, referred, this, sometimes this event is referred to as the rapture. So for what purpose, though? To meet the Lord in the air. And this meeting is significant. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Depending on your interpretation of this event, you see this as a mid-air rendezvous point on the way back to heaven or on the way down to earth. Now, with respect to those who see it the other way, I'm going to explain why I think this is on Jesus' way down to earth. The word translated meet was used in a very particular way in, back in those ancient times for the arrival of royalty or a victorious general or someone's master. Uh, they, they were arriving back in, their, in the capital or in their city or returning home. And as the ruling king or triumphant general or uh, master would approach the city, people would go out to meet him and parade back with him. Now, this, we, we see this, you see this in the scripture, like when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem at the triumphal entry. There were people coming with him, there were also people who came out to meet him. Uh, you can see this in Paul, when Paul is arriving at Rome, there were some of the believers came out to meet him as he, in his arrival. Or in Jesus' parable of the young women, the, the virgins waiting for the bridegroom in Matthew 25, 6, here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. And this idea of meeting fits perfectly with the coming of Christ. He's the coming king. He's the victorious warrior. He's the awaited bridegroom. It's a meeting you don't want to miss. Now, in case I lost you with the, like, wait, is he going up or is he going down? Uh, can I give you something absolutely clear that we can all agree with, that we can be, be sure of? From, from, from that meeting, from that moment, we will always be with the Lord. Can I tell you something even better? We who are alive are waiting to be with the Lord on that day. Those who are dead in Christ are already with him. Now, if you stop and think about it, you'd probably say, well, yeah, I, I, I guess I believe that already. It's not, um, again, this is contrary to the notion that the souls are hibernating, um, souls, some kind of idea of soul sleep, but Notice how it, if you read the passage by itself, this passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, you could get the idea that the dead believers are in the ground waiting for Jesus to give them the cry of command. Except verse 14 said, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. See that? Verse 14, God will bring, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Or back at the end of chapter 3, if you let your eyes go back to chapter 3, verse 13, last verse, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God, our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints, with all his holy ones. Well, that could be angels, but remember he's just said that God would establish your hearts in holiness Believers, I want to 
Pray that he establish your hearts in holiness so that when Je- so for the day when Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And that's the picture here. He's going to bring all those with him, believers, saints, holy ones, and praying that we, those who are left, will be faithful until that day when we are all reunited. So, in that moment, those who are alive will be getting to meet Jesus for the first time. Those who are dead will be reunited with their bodies, resurrected, made new, reunited with us, with brothers and sisters in Christ, as we all enjoy Jesus together. We're looking forward to that meeting? Yeah. For now, for now we grieve when we are separated from those we love. But we can have hope when we know that they are with Jesus this very moment. Tom's with Jesus, and Steve's with Jesus. I don't know if, see if I see Cammie here. Dirk's with Jesus. Donna, if you're watching, Bob's with Jesus. And whether or not we join them in death before Jesus comes back, or if we're still here waiting, we're going to be at that meeting. It's, it's not, a, I wish I could say it was on my calendar and I knew when it was. I don't. That, it, the Bible says we don't know. But it's on God's calendar. And it might not be a, a way that you can register, like your phone can remind you. But here, here, here's your notification. And if you're, if you're in Christ, you're going to be there. You won't miss it. Nobody's going to miss it. Not the dead. Not those who are alive. That's Jesus' promise. Take him at his word. We don't just believe, we don't just believe things about Jesus. He died and rose again. We believe his promise. What he's said to us. We believe Jesus. Do, do you understand? We don't just believe in Jesus or about Jesus. We believe Jesus. We, we're believing him. That what he says will take place. We will always be with the Lord, always and forever. Therefore, comfort, encourage, exhort one another with these words. This is part four. Encourage one another. Come alongside grieving brothers with words that lift their eyes to Jesus. There are times when it's the right thing just to be silent, just to come alongside and sit, to weep with those who weep. Please, don't read this passage at people. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, well, I'm supposed to encourage one another with these words. Here, sit here, I'm going to read this at you. Um, Like some kind of quick fix for the grieving. No, no. Can you read this with the grieving? Yes, of course. And it would be good. I often read this at the graveside. One of the very last things we say together before we walk away from that place. These words should help us grieve together with hope. That's what I'm trying to do in this sermon, but 
Notice how this last verse, verse 18, takes it beyond pastors on platforms. Encourage one another. This is for all of us. The word translated encourage there is the same Greek word we've been seeing over and over again in this short letter. It's translated sometimes in English as exhort, like the father, like a, like, like a father, we exhorted you. Uh, or sometimes it's translated as urge. It can mean, I mean, it, it has the idea, again, of coming alongside someone like a father, like a coach that's trying to motivate you, or here, like someone who's coming alongside to put their arm around you and bring comfort and strength when you're feeling weak. That's not just a ministry for pastors. It's a ministry for all brothers and sisters in Christ. And of course, there's all kinds of ways you can do that. That's a, that's a good thing, isn't it? We don't all have to be able to preach sermons. We, we can, sometimes we can just send a card, take a meal, pray for them, pray with them. But whatever you say, not, doesn't, doesn't have to be every sentence, doesn't have to be the first thing you say, but if, we, if our hope is in Jesus, shouldn't we get that in there somewhere? Shouldn't we bring that to our brothers and sisters to say, oh, I'm, it, it just breaks my heart that he's gone, but man, it just makes me hold on to the, to the, to the vision that he's right now not experiencing any pain anymore. It was so, it was so hard to, I, we will miss her like crazy, but I'm if I, could, if I didn't have the hope that I would see her again, I don't know what I'd do. Thank you, Jesus. There's all kinds of ways you can say this that aren't just, here, I'm going to say this so you'll feel better. I'm going to say this so that you'll stop being sad. That's not, that's not what words for the grieving are for. We're not trying to fix them. We're not trying to stop them from grieving. There's no, there's no prescription for how we grieve or how long we grieve. It's just we're called to grieve with hope in Christ. Whatever you say, make sure you speak in ways that lift their eyes to Jesus. I think there's actually a way that also that this exhortation about encouraging one another can be applied not only to the comforters but also to the grievers. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, often it's the grievers who are planning the funeral. And while it's appropriate for the service to be about the deceased, if they are a believer, it had better be about Jesus. Uh, again, there's a lot of cultural pressure to, you know, most people are not including sometimes any religious component in a service, maybe skipping the service. Um, and there, there can be reasons for that. I understand. You can put all the qualifications on an asterisk by, beside what I say here. But whatever your reasons are, uh, there's a good thing to get together if we have hope. There's a good thing to get together to grieve and to bring hope into the picture. And so when you think about planning your service or the service you are planning for someone you love, uh, if the only person being praised 
is the person represented by the corpse in the casket? Well, then there's not much hope. As wonderful as they were, they're gone. And if it's if 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 that's all there is, all there was, no hope. It's just loss. You know, recognize there's all kinds of ways to celebrate the person. Recognize their accomplishments. Uh, tell stories about the good that they did, how much they meant to you. Oh, we should do that. Absolutely. Pay our respects. Do it. But praise Jesus. Praise Jesus for what he has done for us and the hope that he gives that, the, that all that the, that person did, all the good that they did, is not over and done with. It's not something that happened in the past and it's like, well, that's gone. It, mean, it will mean something for eternity because they are in Christ. If the only thing that we remember in our celebration of life is how much, you know, he loved bass fishing or she was always doing crossword puzzles, um, okay. Nothing wrong with celebrating what made them unique, what made them special, what, what, what always comes to mind when you think about them. But if we don't remember Jesus as the one and only Savior and, and the faith of that person now dead as the most important, most distinguishing thing about them, then there's no hope. There's no celebration of life without Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we do have hope. We have hope that, that we can celebrate we have life that he has promised so that we can celebrate the life that has been lived and we can celebrate the life that is yet to come. And we will. We will together forever. But until then, brothers and sisters, encourage one another with these words so that we grieve with hope in our risen Savior. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, you know how we hate death. We're scared of it. We're angry with what it has taken. And God, if, if we stop and think, how much must you burn against all that destroys what you have made to bring you glory. Your conquest of death through our Savior Jesus Christ is part of your glory. Just one aspect of your glory. One part of your triumph. And we praise you for that and we say, come and finish the job. Bring us safely home. Whether we, whether we die before Christ returns or whether we get to 
wait for that reunion. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus who died and rose again. We thank you for Jesus who promised to us that he will come back and he will bring us, take us home. We pray this with thanks and with hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's.